an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Podpina, and I'm here with my friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer, Chris Herring. Chris, how are you doing this morning, my man? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, very much enjoyed watching the basketball last night. It was glorious. Um, I want to give a quick reminder to our listeners who are all such beautiful people to please keep sending us those emails to uh, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. They've been so terrific. Uh, Chris, before we start today's show, I quickly want to say something about last night's game. Uh, you, me, everyone else who does what we do for a living, plus millions of fans all over the world, we watch a lot of basketball. It's our lives. To a larger degree than I'm sometimes honestly comfortable admitting to myself, um, Chris Paul has had one of the 25 best careers in NBA history. He is one of the three best point guards who's ever lived. Before last night, he'd never qualified for the NBA Finals. And to see him reach that goal now at 36 years old as the best player on the floor was unbelievable to the point where I just wanted to stop before we kind of get into today's show and process how impressive it was for a minute. Um, after everything Chris Paul has been through, this was just one of the most glorious stories I feel like we'll ever see, honestly, um, covering this league. So to try and capture the length of time it's been since he first started climbing to where he finally arrived last night, I'm going to speed read you the top 10 picks in the 2005 NBA draft. Are you ready, Chris? Sure. Okay, they were in order. Andrew Bogut, Marvin Williams, Darren Williams, CP, Raymond Felton, 
Martel Webster, Charlie Villanueva, Channing Fry, Ike Diagu, and last but not least, Andrew Bynum. So the point I'm trying to make here is that Chris Paul is extremely special. None of those other names are really, you know, shout out to some of them. They're all wonderful people, but none of them are relevant um, NBA players anymore. And I don't think any of them are even active. So, Chris, what were you thinking as you watched CP take over against the Clippers last night at Staples Center of all places? Well, I was thinking about this moment, and I actually tweeted about this last night. I was thinking about this moment a couple days ago when it became clear they were going to go up 3-1, and I tweeted it. I said, I know, obviously, Phoenix would love to close this out in five um, when they go back home. You Chris Paul, of all people, doesn't want to mess around with a 3-1 lead, and then you lose game five, okay, and, and then, oh, shoot, you drop game six as well. But what I basically said in that tweet is it would be really cool if, for whatever reason, if they don't get it done in Phoenix at home in front of the Suns crowd, which obviously deserves a winner after this long, if they get it done in L.A. and Chris Paul has a role in it. Um, And I basically tweeted that during game four. Um, Then they lost game five. And, you know, part Mm -hmm. of me was thinking, man, he might have a chance to kind of do this in L.A. Um I had, and I I tweeted this last night as well. Never imagined it would be 41 and eight with no turnovers. uh, Wild. 31 in the second half. Never thought that, but did think it would be cool if he could get a win, you know, on what was his home floor for so many years where he couldn't quite get it done. Um, So it was incredible. What went through my mind last night was how many times he's gotten so close um, and all the reasons he didn't get close, some of which were completely out of his control. Even this year, the times that it seemed like he might get close where, you know, playing out of his mind and Phoenix playing out of their mind and then shoulder gets hurt. And then, you know, gets past that, starts playing well again. Then he gets COVID after reportedly being vaccinated. It's like, what are the odds of any of this stuff? Um, So then to play the way he played last night after struggling in this series quite a bit once he was back, just... uh, immensely cool um you know i get that he is uh controversial to some people that he's annoying to some people um you know but it's the numbers have always been there the advanced numbers have always been there the impact that he has on teams if we're going to keep it 100 like all the players that link up with other stars thinking that it'll work just because they're stars chris paul might have the best track record for picking which stars and which teams to link up with um, and, you know, and making winners out of them or, or, or at least elevating them to a new level where they're a contender. Um, I don't think many people looked at Phoenix this year and thought that they would be one based on just his addition. So shout out to him for that. But um, just a, very cool to me. I, I like seeing great players get to experience the biggest stage. Uh, I just think it's kind of a crowning achievement. Obviously, him winning it would be a bigger one, but getting to this point, regardless of what happens at this point, just happy for him. Uh, and I know this wasn't your question, but happy for Monty Williams. Really happy Absolutely. for Monty Williams on a level where, you know, I don't give a damn about fandom being a fan. I'm not really one of, of any team in particular, but Monty Williams I'm a fan of. Um, if for no other reason, you know, he deserves this. Uh, and it's really cool to see it come full circle for him and for Chris Paul at the same time, given that they've been together in the past 
I mean, watching last night after it looked like they sealed up the win, Chris Paul gets subbed out, Devin Booker's on the sideline, Monty's like hugging Devin Booker. He's like embracing Devin Booker like it's his son, kisses Devin Booker on the forehead, just like a tearful embrace with CP. It's just like, I don't, you could be a Clippers fan, you could be a Rockets fan who hates Chris Paul for whatever reason. You, I don't. I, like, how can you not just be rooting for this dude right now? It's like everyone in the universe except Patrick Beverly is just all in on the Chris Paul <laughs> vibes right now. And uh, God bless him. Um, I saw the best tweet I've ever seen in my life last night. Like, I was crying. <laughs> I was texting it to every friend that I've ever met in my life. Um, someone said Patrick Beverly was part of that lunch group that ate lunch at 10 a.m. in the lunchroom. <laughs> yeah, I and saw that too. Like, so good. that tweet killed me. I was, like, in tears because he, he something about him does strike me that way where he just is causing trouble and the shove in the back. Look, they explained it during the game, Rachel Nichols, I think, and, and maybe Breen or someone else. Like, I get him not being the biggest CP fan. I mean, CP flops, CP3 flops. Um, and I, I was curious, you know, like, how do Clippers fans feel right now about Chris Paul? Because it, it's interesting. He left the Clippers. You know, he'd obviously given it a, a, a pretty good try effort, you know, made them relevant between him and Blake Griffin again. Um, and it's interesting because when you think of guys that left teams, he did it but did it in kind of a, a different way where basically he decided to take the last year of a contract and go play with James Harden and, you know, thought that was the best shot of making a championship, winning a championship. Got damn close doing it you know, elevated what they were doing, but it didn't strike me as like controversial the way he did it because it wasn't a free agency choice or anything like that. Kind of was, but you know, the way he orchestrated it. So I think the fans, the Clippers fans are split, but someone, some of the people I, I tweeted a question about that. How do you feel about Chris Paul? You know, like not trying to be snarky, but like, does this make you happy for him? Does this make you sad? Does it make you angry given that it knocked out the Clippers? And a couple were like, I, I don't want to see him have success. Like, he flops, he's not good for the game anymore, he didn't quite get it done with us. And basically, like, all the antics. And someone said, do you root for Pat Beverly? And he was like, yeah. And they're like, do you not see how that's kind of hypocritical? That you know. But I think you can ride with people that are on your team. But Beverly, you know, I, I, I like him too. But some of the stuff last night, and just generally, I get why he doesn't like Chris Paul if he doesn't. But uh, last night, look. You know, you just take the L. Uh, you played hard. He had a great game offensively, Beverly. Um, was going toe-to-toe with Paul and everybody else in that first quarter. But you don't want to see stuff devolve into that. You know, just just let the moment yeah. be what it is. The Clippers had a great season. Um, I was disappointed to see that. But it's, it's who Pat Beverly is. I understand it. To give our listeners a little peek behind the curtain, right before tip-off, I texted one of our editors, Chris, and I said, if... The Clippers win, and Pat Beverly does not play atrocious. I would love to write a Pat Beverly column for Friday. And, like, ten seconds later, I was like, you know, I I definitely just jinxed this idea. It's definitely not going to happen now that I texted you it, so just disregard. And as I'm watching the as I'm watching the first quarter, I was like, "Oh my god, like this is this is going to be perfect." Like I have the I already wrote the I started writing the lead. Like I was getting very excited. And then they, it just all fell apart towards the end. And I was like, okay, well, I'm never writing a Patrick Beverly column for the rest of my life now um, yeah. after that he show. Makes it, <laughs> he makes it tough. Uh, I mean, look, he, everybody wants somebody like that on their team. But then there's that moment where you 
it starts to get indefensible. I mean, he was enormously physical in this series anyway, and I don't, you know, I don't think he was intending to hurt Devin Booker. You know, it was interesting because I think there there have been so many polarizing plays in this postseason. There was the play with Jokic and um, and obviously campaign, and right. you know, there was the play the game before this last one um, where he came and was trying to get over the screen to defend Chris Paul. Chris Paul goes flying because Beverly runs into him, and he did run it. It was obviously a foul, but the extent of the foul, was it a dirty play? Did he undercut Chris Paul? Did he only undercut Chris Paul because Chris Paul kicked his legs way high in the air to try to draw a foul? You know, and then Beverly storming off, talking about Chris Paul's flopping, as Chris Paul had a really scary-looking fall. You know, so it's yeah. like, it's, it's so... Slightly strange. uncalled for. It yeah. was, yeah, and it, so it made Pat Beverly walking off look bad. But at the same time, we know Chris Paul flops a lot. So it's, it's, it, it gets hard to defend him sometimes, but you want somebody like that on your team that plays hard, that maybe they go over the edge, but you don't want to see that happen in moments. Like Sometimes you just want to let great moments breathe, and it's not me saying that I expect Pat Beverly to be fully aware of when those great moments come up, but when they showed the replay right before the shove of what transpired before it, I was thinking Chris Paul had said something, and I actually think one of the announcers said that he had said something. I think Jeff Van Gundy said, oh, Chris Paul said something to right. him. Then they showed the replay, and it was just Chris Paul looking at him. Like, and it, you know, maybe he took the look a certain way, but he didn't say anything. At least he didn't appear to. He snapped. To. He just he snapped. snapped. He shoved him. It was a cheap shot. You know, it wasn't something that was going to hurt Chris Paul, but just uncalled for it. Like you said, you just hope in moments like that where if it had been the Clippers, I don't think Chris Paul's shoving him. As, as dirty as Chris Paul has been before at times, He's not shoving Pat Beverly there. You just let certain moments breathe without doing stuff like that. Yeah, so back on the good vibes train real quick. I just <laughs> want to close uh, my, my Chris Paul uh, thoughts real quick. Like To add some more further context, like this guy is two years removed from getting traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder and watching the title window in Houston just slam shut in his face. He's three years removed from nearly toppling the Warriors, one of the greatest teams we've ever seen. Um, before coming up short with a bad hamstring. He's seven years removed from blowing a seven-point lead with 49 seconds left against the Oklahoma City Thunder, Um, a game that I went back and I watched the end of last night after the Suns-Clippers game just because it's... It's one of... I I, I forget, you know, we watch so much basketball and I just kind of forgot how momentous that collapse really was and how ridiculous it was. Like Russell Westbrook getting fat. Chris Paul, not only is there a turnover, um, the infamous turnover that CP had, but he then fouls Russell Westbrook shooting a three. Russell Westbrook makes all three free throws and that puts them up one. Chris Paul then has the turnover at the very end. Like to have those moments throughout such a great career and then still persevere at 36, I just, 16th season, it's just, it's so remarkable. So even though he flops, he probably flopped a little bit when that boogie flying elbow came up and probably. yeah, probably. <laughs> they showed the replay. I was like, "What happened?" Like, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's just who CP is. Um, but he's just an all timer. Like, he's I think he's like ninth in win shares, um, career win shares in NBA history. Like, he's, he's just for a minute was. I mean, now we're getting in the weeds. Maybe for our listeners, they they already know this, but he was like neck and neck with was it Jordan for a while for win shares per forty eight. Like, he was right on the cusp of passing, basically being the best per-minute win-share player in NBA history. I mean, right, right. so it's stuff that doesn't, 
none of this stuff stands out to when you talk about the casuals. I won't say that because I think everyone knows Chris Paul's a great player, but I don't know that the average person knows how great he is and how firmly he would be in the conversation for one of the two or three best point guards. I mean, he is in that conversation, but the best or second best, maybe third best point guard of all time. And the only reason he's not solidly in that conversation all the time among everybody is because there's no championship on his resume. Um, so, I mean, and he's been so close so many times, sometimes nothing to do with him, why he doesn't get there out of his control with an injury, a poorly timed injury. Sometimes it has been kind of more on his shoulders, but everybody has a moment where they falter on that stage, you know, maybe aside from Michael um, in the finals, but um, I'm, I'm happy for him. And, I, you know, like I said, I would be happy for anybody that gets this close this many times and, and, and doesn't break through and finally does. Right. So Chris Paul, incredible. Um, so speaking of him in the spirit of CP actually reaching the finals for the first time later on, you and I are going to list three players who've never played in the finals that we really want to see make it someday. Um, we're also going to dive into some Hawks bucks and give our reactions to the scary Giannis injury. But first, uh, Chris, I want to talk Clippers. Um, I kind of fell in love with this team for a variety of reasons. And I have a hard time, even though they've been eliminated, I have a hard time not to take anything away from any of the other teams still around. But just like my respect level for the Clippers is so high. Like they didn't. They won't win the championship this year, but they were a championship team, like, through and through. Um, they were super resilient. The way they bounced back from everything that happened last year, they fought with no Kawhi Leonard, no Serge Ibaka, no Ivica Zubats for the last two games. They beat the Mavs in seven when Luka was hitting. Luka was just on a different planet, and to come back after dropping the first two at yep. home right there is Im- incredible. They demolished the top-seeded Utah Jazz after losing Kawhi, when Kawhi is maybe the best player on the planet. Um, I know Suns fans will get mad at me for saying this, but the Clippers could have easily won this series, too, had it not been for a few fortunate bounces. You have the value. You have some... Exactly. You have some calls that went, you know, here and there. Um, Very competitive series, and uh, Paul George was absolutely phenomenal. So that leads us into this email that came in from Thaddeus this morning, longtime listener who writes, uh, I watched Chris Paul slam the door shut on the clips last night, and it was happening, and as it was happening, I couldn't help but think the ethos of these two teams could not be more opposite. Many will attribute it to CP, and it's hard not to, but that seems disingenuous to Monty and the Suns that closed last season 8-0 to even get on CP's radar. Phoenix takes nothing for granted, seeks every edge, and appears to think about the big picture at every step. Meanwhile... The Clippers spent all season knowing they could, quote, turn it on, tanked into a tougher matchup in round one to avoid a potential L.A. showdown, and seemed allergic to playing their best lineups until necessary. If the two teams were chess players, the Suns beat you with the same series of moves until you block it, and the Clips do everything they can to not use those moves. So, Thaddeus, thank you so much for the email. Damn, can Thaddeus write my story? Like... The way that was written was so well, and like, like, damn, I'm like, and I'm reading it on our outline. I'm like, damn, he wrote this really well. Yeah, no, shout out to Thaddeus. Uh, his emails are like novels, honestly. My God, this is like, yeah, had like he's, flow he's, to it and everything. Anyway, go ahead. Just, 
is terrific. Um, so my question to you, Chris, just off of this email, is just like, what's next for the Clippers? Is this is this like the most obvious run it back situation you've ever seen, or do you feel like they need to make significant changes? Uh, well, I don't. I don't think it's that simple, and I don't think it's their fault. I mean, I think first of all, you have to look at some of the stuff they did this off season that you know that, that was helpful, or, or not this off season, but guys that they have that. Unless I'm mistaken, one piece that is important is Batum, who Mm -hmm. that was a situation that they were able to put together, but was a rare situation because of his, he got bought out, right? Um, So what does he command now? Um, And what space do they have to do that with? Um, Does he want to come back? And if he doesn't, obviously, you know, it's not to say he's irreplaceable, but He's, I imagine for the majority of the season, he's a guy you would have wanted back. There are moments where he wasn't on the court. But also when they decided to go small, there are moments where they were using him in a pretty key spot. So that's interesting. And I think Reggie Jackson is obviously the really big question. I think everybody saw he had – I mean, we could say a breakout postseason. He had a little bit of a breakout regular season too, just as far as the shooting, which he's had moments where he's been a decent shooter – he was one of the best shooters in the league for basically the whole second half of the season. Um, so was Morris, by the way, um, the two of them. And, then, you know, the Clippers were basically the best three-point shooting team in the league. Um, but the way he just played in the regular season, the, the postseason, I mean, um, I mean, he's a starting caliber point guard and not maybe just a starting caliber, but like high-level starter if he would play at that level even somewhat frequently. Um and it would be interesting to see what teams are willing to pay for that sort of production or gamble on the fact that he can do that now in a setting where maybe he's not with as many stars at a level where I don't even really know what the Clippers can do depending on what he's going to make. Now, that said, he spoke last night. He was tearfully talking to reporters last night about how this team saved him, this season saved him, which that's really strong language to use, um, you know, but... It's been pretty rough for him. You know, we talk about people that have just been written off. You know, I I think the Pistons obviously had hoped that Reggie Jackson would be a star. Um, He certainly didn't produce that way. He also was really, really banged up. Came off the bench after a while. Um, He was out of the rotation at times there. Um, You know, again, partly due to health, but partly just because he wasn't very good. Um, Certainly was out of the rotation with the Clippers. Um, so who knows like what role emotions play in that, what the Clippers can realistically do, what sort of money is thrown at this man. Um, but you know, if you take him off the table, all of a sudden running it back, doesn't look the same way anymore. Uh, I mean, Rondo, I guess, you know, but that's not what Reggie Jackson was doing. And Rondo has shot well in the postseason, So it's not to, to knock him or to try to make fun. Not of him, like, but, not like Reggie, not like right. Reggie. And they're, you know, they're, they're different. So I'm not sure how tall Reggie Jackson is, but he's taller, you know, and bigger. And so it just, it just changes things you do and can do fundamentally. So running it back would be nice, but we don't know what that looks like yet. Um, you know, it would be nice to obviously have Kawhi back, assuming that he's fine, assuming that Ibaka is fine. Um, although both of those guys are getting older. And the question with Kawhi, I think, is going to be, does he want to come back? You know, it'd be great to run it back. Um, I guess we have to figure out the answer to that question. But, yeah, otherwise, yeah, of course you want to run it back because you weren't anywhere near fully healthy, and you accomplished all this and were two games shy of the finals to win shy of the finals without being fully healthy. Normally that screams run it back, um, but I obviously think it's complicated here for a couple reasons. 
Yeah, I think Reggie is allowed because of the early bird rights that the Clippers have 10.7 million, I believe. And I think if I'm speaking out of turn, listeners, please correct me. But I believe you can the Clippers can only offer a two year deal um, to him. That's still a lot of money, but off of how he played, you you nailed it right on the head. Like it's going to be hilarious to see the bags and bags and bags that yeah. are just getting dropped on his doorstep. So we'll see what Reggie wants to do there. I think this is a great fit for him, and I think that the Clippers could win the title next year if they were healthy. If he comes back, same thing for Batum, who is still getting paid by the Hornets a lot of money must, <laughs> from that must buyout. be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I think his situation is a tad different um, given that contract. But getting both of those those guys back will be absolutely key. We'll see what happens with Luke Kennard, who has oh, yeah. a I massive contract Luke. extension. And maybe you want to trade him and bring something back that's more useful in terms of defensive versatility. I don't I don't know. We'll see. Ooh. What does he have we'll for see. in 64? What was his deal? Like yeah, that. I think that's the extension. Golly. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot. I if like you Luke trade that, it'll be interesting to see what you get. <laughs> yeah, or I what like you're Luke giving up. I think you'd have to attach like a like maybe their first in this year's draft. And I don't know. It could be interesting to see what you could get back from him. Because I think in the right spot, Luke Kennard's a really good player. I agree. Um, but this kind of brings us to like Kawhi. He's the head of the snake, obviously. And um, he's eligible to opt out of his contract and become an unrestricted free agent. There's the Miami Heat out there. There's the Dallas Mavericks out there that, that both reportedly want him. You know, I guess there's like two two parts of this question, Chris. Um, number one, do you have any concern level from just the Clippers' perspective of Kawhi actually leaving in free agency given the just the power that he has within um, their practice facility and – uh, he basically runs the show there, and I'm sure like he, he. It seems like he has just a wonderful situation. He's surrounded by Paul George, he's surrounded by really good complimentary pieces as well, and an owner who just is not afraid to spend whatever he has to spend. Um, that's part one, and part two is like, do you entertain the argument that the Clippers are better off not signing Kawhi to a max contract because you know he has had some injury issues for sure. Um, and there's the load management thing. And as Thaddeus points out in um, his email to us, like it's been a little difficult for the Clippers to establish night-to-night continuity and chemistry because of how he's treated because of his physical ailments. Um, I personally think that that's absolutely ludicrous, but I'll, I'll throw the, the, the ball to you. Uh, what do you think about those two questions right there? So I'm going to ask you to repeat the first one because I, I got a little bit lost in it. But the second one... <laughs> It's been a long morning. Uh, the second one, I'll start there. Um, unless there's something that the Clippers know medically that we don't. Like if there's something further beyond. Like we've gotten this kind of vague ACL thing with him. Uh, I mean, it's not a small thing. If, if like he's at risk to tear his ACL completely, which is, I don't know if it was that. If it was, they haven't said that out loud. Um, I feel like we would have known that mm-hmm. if it was. Um you know, we also just watched Joel Embiid with the meniscus thing. And so it's like it's hard to know the shades of this and how deep it is and how problematic it is. But, like, if, if he's going to be diminished or if they think he will be diminished within, like, a year or two, signing him to four or five years or whatever, okay. Like, maybe you don't want to do that. If, they, if their medical intel is telling them that, um, 
you know, and, and we've seen that sort of thing happen before. I don't know if it's like I'm trying to come up with a similar comp like I guess Amari with Phoenix where they didn't want to max them out and go really, really long term. Like, and that, you know, I'm sure they would be criticized if they did that, but if they know more about this than anybody else and they just watch the team kind of make it to the, almost make it to the finals without him for a good chunk of the postseason, um, I, it's hard for me to argue with them. Like, if they could actually go out and get somebody else and replace that money, um, it would be really hard task. I don't know that you'd ever find a player as good as him, but you could make the argument that you could go do it piecemeal and build a team around Paul George, which I wouldn't be gung-ho about that. I would rather keep Kawhi, but unless you know of something that is really, really troubling that you just can't get past. Um, so, no, I wouldn't move on from them, but I wouldn't, if they decide that they can only go so long with them years-wise, you know, and who knows, Kawhi hasn't ever really wanted to go long years-wise. So if he wants to do that now, maybe that speaks to his health stuff too, that he wants to lock that in now. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but I, I would I would take him probably as long as I could unless I knew something that was really troubling about his health. Like I said, I, I, I lost you on the first part of your question, though. Okay, I'll re-ask that in two seconds. But first, I just want to say that um, I think one of the, obviously one of the factors in him choosing to go small as he short with the contract was he wanted to get to the 10 years so that he could maximize his earnings sure. on this That's contract. True. So we should anticipate a five-year, him wanting a five-year okay. max right now. That's fair. Um, and he's just turned 30 a couple of days ago. Uh, the Clippers gave up everything to get him. So you can't just, I don't, like, it's almost... Besides the point, it's 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 messed up to say this, but it's almost besides the point. Even if they saw something in his medical, it's like what do you, you can't just start over and build around Paul George, who you just extended to his max. I don't know where you're going as an organization because you don't have any draft picks. So that would be really they're just in a in a pickle there, and you just got to hope that Kawhi's healthy. Period. Point blank, and you resign him. That's what I think. But the first part of the question, Chris, was just like, what is your concern level? If you're the Clippers, that he'll actually leave in right, free okay. agency. Um, you so we we asked we talked about this when it looked like they were going to get knocked out by the Mavs two rounds ago, a little right. bit. And I, I I think my response then was that hell the guy won a championship and then left anyway. <laughs> so you always have to be a little bit concerned. But I mean, this was a really impressive run without him. Um, like you said, they very easily could have at least been tied three to three. Without him, they they basically blew a game in the last second, you know, on a crazy play. Um, without him, so any number of things could have been different. They could have made the finals. Like again, that that's normally the the highest endorsement you can really make for yourself. Um, sales pitch you can make for yourself is look how much we can do without you. Like it it, it kills the argument that there's not enough talent around him. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Paul George had moments where he looked like a superstar. Um, regardless of whether you think he is one or not. Um, so he looked good. You know, the health got, questions were there with, with Ibaka, obviously. But um, you would hope that you can retool this thing or run this back and that Kawhi, if he's healthy, and, you know, it's always a question now, seemingly, when it never was for several years with him, um, you, you hope that that's enough. And, you know, um, so I I would expect that he comes back. But at the same time, you know, I can say that until he decides not to and then say, oh, we should have known he wasn't going to come back. Um, but I don't know what the reasoning would be. You never know what's in his mind. You assume he gets along well with everybody because he gets to seemingly dictate a decent amount of stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. 
So you would assume that's a good spot for him. It's his home state. But who knows? What, what do you think? I would be – I mean, look, it's the NBA, so anything can happen. I would be surprised if he left. I think the situation's just great in L.A. And if he were to resign, I would – I picked the Clippers to win the title this year. I would pick them to come out of the West at least next year because I'm not touching the Nets right now. I think that the Nets are just going to be right. – <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I, 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 would, I would pick the Clippers again to come out of the West if he were to resign. I have I, – I mean, he's one of my favorite players. I think he's – one of the two or three best players in the world. He showed that before he hurt his knee. And, yeah, I wish we could have seen him in this conference finals. Would have been great. Um, but the Clippers are gone. The Suns move on. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. I want to shift gears real quick to the Eastern Conference, Chris. Um, obviously, in Game 4, the Hawks won decidedly um, and were up double digits at halftime despite not having Trey Young. Giannis suffers what I thought in real time. I mean, when I watched it in real time, just to be honest, like it put me in shock for like two minutes. I was like, I cannot believe that Giannis just... Like, I thought his knee was completely destroyed. Um, I thought he was going to miss, obviously, the rest of the season, all of next season. Thank goodness we got a report yesterday from Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe uh, that uh, it was just a hyperextension, and he is listed as doubtful for Game 5, which, I I mean, I don't think he's going to play again in these playoffs, but the fact that there was no serious ligament damage is, is amazing news for him. It's amazing news for all of us, and specifically the Milwaukee Bucks. But, Chris, I'll just throw it to you. Like, What was your reaction when you first saw... Um, Clint Capella fall into Giannis's knee. Did you think that was that was it, like I did, or did you have a little bit more optimism? 
had a little bit more optimism, but not that much. And and my thought, for whatever reason, and I've, I've been trying to figure this out within my own head, that one hit me differently than the other injuries in the playoffs. And, you know, I don't know Giannis personally, or I don't think I'd, you know, like I said before, I'm not really a fan of these teams or anything, but um, I guess I was thinking a lot about last round. You know, I wrote an article about him that was somewhat critical. A lot of other people did in a game where he had like 32 or 34 or whatever it was in 11 or 12 rebounds. But mm-hmm. KD played all 48 and almost dropped 50 and Giannis never picked him up. And Giannis looked bad at the end of the game. And Giannis is trying to shoot fadeaways over James Harden and single coverage, you know, hobble James Harden. And so we're picking apart Giannis's flaws and the 10 second free throw thing and everything else. And watching that play, I thought about, when we talked about a lot of things, taking things for granted, one, but two, Giannis getting so close and us getting so close to saying, okay, the Bucks have this because Trey's out and they're about to make the finals. And, you know, we talk about how long it's been for Chris Paul and all the hurdles he's gotten over and all the heartbreak he's gotten past. Giannis is a lot younger. And so you can't quite compare them. He's literally 10 years younger. But he's kind of had a bunch of stuff where, like, he hasn't quite broken through either. And now he's finally about to, and now he's hurt. And it's coming right after we had all criticized him. I think, and again, rightfully so, but just how, even if he's not a perfect player and we're criticizing him, like, obviously no one's wishing this on him. And the idea that how quickly it can all be taken away. So the fact that it wasn't necessarily season-ending yet, or that, you know, it wasn't an ACL or an MCL tear or anything like that, wonderful. You know, thanking the basketball gods that nothing like that happened. Um, but yeah, for some reason, this one hit me differently and made me sad in a way that some of the others didn't. Trey Young's, I was hoping was just a small ankle tweak. Um, you know, and, and some of the other ones that have happened have been awful. The Chris Paul COVID thing was, was pretty brutal. A lot of the other injuries we've seen or that have held people out have been brutal. Obviously Kyrie, Harden, um, it all sucks, but for some reason that one was different, maybe because it looked more ominous, um, when it first happened, maybe because, we were finally ready to kind of crown Giannis and have him watch watch him have a crowning achievement. Um, and just knowing Giannis's backstory of like how crazy it was for him to get to the league, what right, we expected of, of him to get in the league or once he was in the league and how he's grown and how he's matured and, and the way that he carries himself, I, I, it, it sucked. It just sucked. And I remember when you said it took you just a couple minutes to even really take in what happened. I watched it for like three minutes before I tweeted anything. And then when I tweeted something, it was just like dot, 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 dot. Just like processing what happened because it was just awful. And, um, you know, him walking off and then him coming back. And I was like, I don't know how this guy just walked back onto the court. It was very reminiscent of the clay thing, which scared me too, because then I worried maybe he did tear something and he's just walking it off. But um, I'm glad he's not to that stage, but it, it sucks. It just sucks. Yeah, it just, it, it, Maybe it's because it looked so painful that you felt that way. That's that's that was the case for me. I mean, seeing him writhing on the ground when I yeah. saw it live, I saw him writhing on the ground holding his knee, and I was like, "Oh, that's not good." Then I hit rewind on my DVR, saw the just how bad his knee hyperextended, and like I used to watch a lot of football, and it just reminded me of obvious serious injuries that have happened on football fields which are the over worst. the years. Which are the yeah. absolute worst. Just like they... helmets going into kneecaps, and that's how that's what happens. That's what it looks like. Yep. So I thought he was done, and I thought I, I was trying to just like 
put it into a historical context because that's what we do. And I was like, will this be like, like, will Giannis be Derek Rose now? Like, it was just like my head was going to really dark places thinking about how injuries can just derail careers and derail franchises. Hyperextensions look a lot like just full on tears. A lot of times. They look terrible. I mean, they, they, they are <laughs> terrifying, and I guess it's good that stuff can hyperextend before it just snaps. But, it, yeah, it, underst- thinking that he might have had a, a career-altering injury, I mean, it, it looked like that was in play, which is always scary. Um, and I'm, I'm glad it's not that, or at least appears to yeah. not be that. Yeah, and then right before – so, as I said before, like, the Bucks, their first half was – I tweeted it at, at halftime. It was the worst first half I've seen any team play in the entire postseason by far. Um, trailing by 12 or 13, I think, after two quarters. And they were just lifeless. Um, and it was super disappointing to see out of a team that... Like, that's the type of game where if you're a champion, it's just like you destroy the opponent. Trey Young didn't play. If you watched Atlanta's offense in that game... Like, they were just – there was one possession where Bogdan Bogdanovich had the ball in the corner, and he dribbled all the way to the opposite wing before the Hawks turned it over. And I was like, you don't see that out of an NBA offense. You don't see that out of a college offense. You don't see that out of – that was like watching a bunch of fourth graders scramble around. Like, it was <laughs> it was like – I so for the Bucks to kind of play as, as – as lifeless as they were, was very disappointing to see. And right before Giannis got hurt, there was a series of possessions where P.J. Tucker came up and set flat screens, dragging Lou Williams into pick and rolls with Giannis as the ball handler. And Giannis was just picking it apart. And I was like, okay, like the Bucks are starting to roll. They're starting to figure things out. Right. And then and then he suffers the injury. And I'm like, that is, that's such a heartbreaker. Um, but... I guess we'll assume for just the sake of this conversation that Giannis will not return to this series because I can't, I just can't imagine someone playing basketball uh, anytime after, anytime soon after suffering an injury like that. Like, are we about to get a Hawks Suns NBA Finals, Chris? Like, what do you, what's your read on this series right now? Well, so I don't, my read on it is that I don't know that I trust, first of all, we don't know whether Trey will play yet. True. Um, so, if he doesn't, I, I don't know that I, I... I said our last podcast that I thought the Hawks and the Bucks were probably more evenly matched than people were giving them credit for. Um, it did look like the Bucks had kind of broken through that, certainly after Trey got hurt. Um, or that it, it seemed like that would be the case, obviously. Um, if you're way better, like you said, a championship team just kind of takes their foot and puts it on the other team's throat. The Bucks mm-hmm. didn't do that. I and then when Giannis got hurt, they really couldn't do that. Um, part of me wonders whether the end of that game was and it unraveling the way it was was kind of the Bucks being a little bit in shock. Um, it's hard to know possibly what someone's mental state is or the team's mental state is after that. You know, Bud kind of downplayed it, but I, I I was wondering that a little bit because it like you said, it looked like it could have been a really 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 serious injury, um, and they played like ass after. Giannis went down. I mean, let's just keep it a buck. So, um, I mean, that, that part of it, whether you think the Bucks are better than the Hawks when you take the, the best player off each team, I would probably give the edge to Milwaukee. Um, now, obviously, it necessitates Middleton and, and Drew playing well and more consistently. 
Um, and it means them not being shell-shocked by having to play without Giannis. Now, they played without him last year in the postseason and won a game. Now, that was different because it wasn't the same sort of injury. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would still probably favor the Bucks in this situation. Um, but Trey probably isn't missing the rest of the series. I don't know. His was a bone bruise. Like, his diagnosis was kind of odd, too, from the standpoint of when you watch what he did, it looked like a bad ankle tweak. Um, you know, it didn't look like a bone bruise. You know, I don't know exactly what the difference is or how bone bruise differs from, you know, a sprain or what have you. But if Trey is going to miss one more game, if he misses tonight, if he misses the next couple, if it's just even the rest of the series and both teams are down their best guy, I like Milwaukee here. If Trey's going to play... Um, and he's going to play and look anywhere near himself, then you know I would probably take Atlanta here. And I, I think that's huge, and I don't really know what to expect. When I covered the Knicks, Carmelo turned his ankle on uh, a referee's foot as well without seeing the ref when he was backpedaling. And um, you know, at the time, you're just thinking, oh, he sprained his ankle, he'll miss a game. Melo was out for weeks, if I remember correctly, and the team just spiraled and lost like 9 out of 10. Um, they'd been playing really well, and then it was just, you know, he was shooting lights out, and then he was out for a long time. So I, I don't know what it is about plays like that where you just – something happens blindly, you don't see it, and you turn an ankle. But um, Trey may be done for the series too. You know, if, if Giannis says, I don't know what's going to happen, but if it's even, I, I kind of like Milwaukee here. Trey's a game-time decision for tonight's Game 5. You obviously hope he can go. He couldn't go in Game 4, which – Lends credence to the idea that this is actually way more serious than where it appeared when it first happened. Because when it first happened, he was like sitting on the ground and he didn't even look like he was in pain. Honestly. I thought he was complaining about a call. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So it would be a little surprising. You know, I don't want to, you know, put, I don't know what pain he's in or anything like that. I think that from afar, it would be a little surprising if he did not play in tonight's game and the next game. Um, but you know, I look at the Bucks roster without Giannis, and I'm kind of like, the domino effect is just not good for that team. Like, no, puts a lot of stress on Chris Middleton, who's not having besides the explosion that he had in Game Three, not having a good series at all. Um, puts a lot of pressure on Drew Holiday, and both those guys are going to have to play 40 plus minutes, no doubt about it. Uh, you know. Beyond that, I don't know where you go for your offense. Are you going to involve Brooke Lopez a little bit more? You're going to need some more. You're going to need everyone to make shots, obviously. Pat Connaughton, Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, PJ. I just don't even know. I can't even like picture what the closing five is going to be for Milwaukee. I think, but yeah. it's just that that team is just not deep at all. And we might get a lot of Jeff Teague. Who knows? So it could get. I, I think it Wait, could get. Jeff Teague doesn't play for Atlanta anymore. Which team does Jeff Teague play for? <laughs> I couldn't believe that the other day. With, uh, what was it Chuck that didn't remember? Of course, classic. Absolutely. And then and then was like, wait, 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 no, that's not what I'm saying. It's like, ah, oh, we heard you, man. We heard you. <laughs> so it's it's just not a deep team. I like the Hawks' depth a little bit more, to be honest. And that's not to say I love the shots that Cam Reddish was taking uh, in Game Four and how aggressive he was, but I do like his athleticism and. He gave Chris Middleton fits a little bit on the defensive end. So we'll see, obviously. And if the Bucks, um can force it to seven, Game 7 will be in Milwaukee. That's that's to their favor. But I'm just assuming Trey comes back. And I 
I'm like so excited about a potential Hawks Suns finals. I'm like down. that's just such I'm it's so down. chaotic. It's so chaotic. It's so unprecedented. It's it's like it's a perfect capstone to one of the weirdest seasons, if not the weirdest season in NBA history. Like, bring it on! It, it would just be great. It Let would me be ask great. you this, man, really quickly. Um, okay. If Trey, because I, I do get the impression, like you said, you're not sitting out a playoff game unless it's a pretty bad injury that it's really paining you. And I think for Trey, something like an ankle, and he was kind of explaining it, like his ability to push off um, for all the speed bursts that he has into the paint when he's coming around those screens. For the floaters, I mean, it, it, it saps your ability to be able to do that. So it impacts him maybe more than the average guy, which I think you have to take into account too. If he's, if he's kind of borderline, which obviously questionable sort of diagnosis says that, would you, and if you're pretty sure, it seems like you're, you're thinking that Giannis is going to miss the rest of the series, would you consider resting Trey here even if he could potentially play? So that he's like golden for the next couple games of the series, and and just know that you've got him for game what is it game six and potentially game seven if you need it. I mean, it's a great question. I think Reggie Miller caught a lot of flack for tweeting something similar out after game five in the Nets series about KD and James Harden. Yes, Should they but the, I think the difference there was that the other team wasn't down their best player. Like Giannis and everybody was playing yeah, in exactly. that series. In this case, if Giannis is going to be out, I, I do think getting Trey back at full strength and not putting him in position where he potentially tweaks the ankle. By the way, Devin Booker took that blow to the nose yesterday without his Wild. mask on. And I was like, holy shit, that looks painful. Um, so I say that to say, like, I, I think it's fundamentally different. Like, I understood Reggie's question. I thought it was kind of a dumb question. But if Giannis had been out in that Buck series, I would have entertained it more. With Giannis being out now, I would take that question more seriously and say, like, if you think you might be able to be on even footing without Giannis and you know Trey's not playing and you saw the way that they kind of you know ran it up the other night obviously once Giannis was hurt maybe maybe you feel like you can get two in a row if you have to with Trey out with Trey out there and and Giannis out completely I don't know it's a risk obviously but so is playing Trey if he's not anywhere near full strength what is stopping Atlanta from like starting the game with Lou Williams and then just kind of seeing, like, Trey's out of the rotation and everything, but he's available. And you just see how it goes. And, like, if at halftime, you know, you're up seven, eight, whatever, you just kind of ride it out, see if you can win and steal the game on the road. Um, if, huh. for whatever reason, you're, you're, you're Nate McMillan and you're feeling like, okay, like, Trey, can you give us something at halftime? You have a conversation with him, and he's like, I'm feeling really good. You throw him out there, he saves the game, saves the season. Like, what's stopping? I don't understand why that's not a possibility. You as know why that's to just interesting like ruling too? someone out. Because think about it. Like, one of the most challenging things, I think, for training staffs and for players that are hurt, and we've watched it before, we saw it with Embiid a little bit. Um, Getting warmed up after halftime, after you've played, and then it stiffens up on you a little bit is always a huge challenge. And mm-hmm. so if you hold him out, now I don't know that he would have enough time to get loose during halftime. Maybe he comes out earlier than everybody else. But it would be interesting. I mean, and if you take kind of a wait-and-see approach, maybe you don't need him at all. Um, kind of the way, I guess it would be kind of like in baseball where you use a starter on short rest a little bit. And then you have him come out of the bullpen if you need him. But if you don't, you don't use him. 
Right. It's, it's an interesting concept. I like that idea, Michael. I don't know. We'll see. Reliever Trey Young just coming in <laughs> out of the bullpen, seventh inning stretch. Let's go. I'm just like throwing baseball terms out there. I haven't watched baseball in so long. I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, okay. Well, I I, I, I want to close this segment just by saying that I really hope we do get – I'm sorry to the Bucks and like – Bucks nihilism um, and well, the if, fan if base Giannis is, is back, I feel like your answer would be different if Giannis was healthy again. And it like it sounds like you're pretty definitively saying you don't think he's back at all this postseason. I am. I don't think he's back at all. And no. if he's not, then if he is, would you prefer to see the Bucks as opposed to the Hawks get to the final? Yeah, because well, first of all, I just think it would be kind of catastrophic if the Bucks advanced somehow to the finals without Giannis, and Giannis was out for yeah. the finals. Like, can yeah, you imagine? Like, that's just that I don't really care. I don't care about ratings, blah blah blah. I care about good basketball. That's not going to be good basketball. The Suns are going to steamroll the Bucks in that situation. Like, it's just what it is. So I don't want that. I want healthy Trey. I want um, an upstart. Uh, upstart Hawks team with a lot of depth and talent and shooting and young, exciting players. Like I, that's what I want for the, just the sake of like entertainment value. Honestly, you would have had to um, get me so drunk and I don't even really drink at all, but <laughs> to tell me that the Suns and the Hawks would be in the finals this year. Um, particularly if you had told me like the Hawks were going to be several games under 500 at the break, like, you would have had to have gotten me so drunk for me to have heard that and like not had a six minute, you know, conversation about how, why, when, where. <laughs> like I, I'm still blown away by a lot of it, but it's still crazy that we're talking about it. And now it seems like it's a, a very firm possibility at this point. Half of it is already done. That equation. So 14 and 20 on March 1st, the Atlanta Hawks <laughs> potential Eastern Conference champions. Insane, truly, man. truly wild. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. 
Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Okay, so speaking of the finals, um, you know, I tease this at the top. Uh, Chris Paul is going to play in his first finals, 16th year. Um, I think besides all those people who were in your Twitter mentions who were upset about Chris Paul getting this far, I think a lot of people are really happy for him. So I posed the question to you, Chris. Um, we're each going to give th- our top three players who've never played in the finals that we most want to see make it there someday. Um, in no particular order or anything. And I have a few honorable mentions too. But do you want to start us off, just throw, in, throw a name out there of a guy who... You know, like, it could be just your own for sentimental reasons. It could be someone who's just grinded for years and has never made it. Or just could be someone who you'd just love to see play at the pinnacle of NBA competition who hasn't had an opportunity to. Okay. Well, I'll start you with one. Um, Okay. I'll I'll go with Dame for now. Um, Dame was on my list. (laughs) So I'm going to go with Dame... I'll say it by saying this, too. I'd really like to see Dame do it with Portland. Um, mm. To me, it has a little bit more meaning since that's still a possibility for him. Maybe it's not, just w- given what we know about Portland and how difficult it's going to be to overhaul that roster and everything. Right. Um, it, you know, I, I, I don't view it any less, actually. I'm more impressed with Chris Paul doing it the way he just did it. Um, you know, with, with Phoenix and a team that hadn't been in the playoffs before. But assuming that Dame would go to a team that has another star, another two stars. I I think I'd be more impressed right now. Like if he does it with Portland, it would be cooler because I think he's one of those guys that you know at least for most of his career we kind of thought of him as like a plant the flag. This is my team. I'm you know I want to take this team and not any other team to the championship. So I would love to see Dame do it under that circumstance. Like if he goes and joins like a Brooklyn sort of roster, it probably doesn't strike me the same way. But I would love to see Dame on that stage. The way you frame this, I honestly didn't even consider. Like, I when I first came up with the the exercise, Dame was the first player who popped into my head immediately. Mm. I just I love Dame. I don't know who doesn't love Dame. Um, never played in the finals. Clearly good enough to win a championship. Clearly good enough to be the best player, in my opinion, on a champion. But I never even put two and two together in terms of Okay, but what if he like goes to the Lakers next year? Or, I, I, it's like that's. Uh, I'm not one of those people that says it cheapens it, but it's it's different. I, I mean, I think it's it's fundamentally different, and we all know that. Um, and I do think there's something to be said for him being the guy versus being like you know a second or a third guy. Which if he does that, look, we, we the media is too critical of guys that don't ever win rings to then lambast guys that join a team that gives them too good of a chance of winning a ring like make up your mind and not everyone does that i know you and i aren't like that but um i i would still be excited to watch him i just think that i would be excited in a different way if he does it and it's somehow with portland and obviously you know i don't think we're we're looking at people jumping at the opportunity to go play in portland for all sorts of reasons but that would make it even cooler if he's able to get it done there if he's able to turn stuff around or really you know if they're able to spark something there yeah, it's just, just this it's this great catch twenty two of you're gonna you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you're in Damian Lillard's position. Are you going to stay put 
and fight it out and then potentially likely not win a title and then get criticized for the rest of your life for never winning a title or are you going to do what is best in the best interest of your own um, ambition and try to team up with players who are good enough to get you to the top and then win it all and then be criticized for doing that and the one example that I have and I'm sure there's others but Kevin Garnett um, just languishing in Minnesota for all those years like I don't know if you remember this because it was in 2005, but I mean, I just think about this interview he did on television with John Thompson um, for Turner, I think it was, when John Thompson was a was an announcer, and KG started to cry like on television because he was just like so fed up with losing in the first round year after year after year after year in a ridiculous like you think the Western Conference is tough now. The Western Conference back then was an absolute bear, and. He got out of the first round one time, and when he did, Sam Cassell had a hip injury and yada, yada, yada. The rest is history. But that's the one example I have of a guy who, when he did win the title, I don't think people were, like, critical of him. But this is, again, before the player empowerment, before the super team era, before all that. So I don't know. But I I hope Dame wins a ring one day. He's so deserving. Um, okay, I'll give you my my uh, another guy on my list okay. because I also I already had Dame. Uh, maybe this is a little bit of recency bias, but Paul George. Paul George never been in the finals. Paul George, uh, one of the 15 best players in the world right now. The medal he showed in this postseason through ups and downs and, you know, just like two-way brilliance, particularly in that um, that elimination game. Uh, dropping over 40, highly efficient, just historic stuff. I, I just, I think you add in the criticism that he's faced um, in the bubble, how poorly he played. Not, uh, you know, some of it is brought on, he brings it on himself by giving himself nicknames and, and whatnot. But I don't know. I think it would be really cool to see that dude finally um, playing in an NBA Finals because he's so deserving. I thought, I mean, I thought he was going to get to one in the East, honestly. They were so close to knocking out the, yeah. the Heat in one of those years when they had that, that rivalry. And um, they went, I know they went seven. I don't know if it was only one time they went seven with the Heat, but, you know, I thought that they had a really good shot then um, when they didn't have all that much offense outside of him, uh, really, at the time. Um, so I, I, I can understand that pick. My... I had I put four people on a list that you asked for three. Um, I put Harden, but even as I'm thinking about it, like I look at his situation now, and that's exactly what I was talking about with Dame, where it seems likely that he'll, you know, if he's with Brooklyn and they stay remotely healthy, it seems like they have a really good chance of getting to the finals. Um, you know, he's obviously dealt with a lot. A lot of people would put it on his shoulders that he hasn't made it to the finals, that he's flamed out really badly, that he's just disappeared and close out games sometimes, um, you know, the 27 misses in a row against the Warriors from three, um, Chris Paul getting hurt in that series with the hamstring. So, you know, at some point I would like to see Harden get there. I feel like I'm not really, he's old enough to like kind of have him in that danger zone of maybe not ever doing it, but the Brooklyn situation seems pretty solid for him. I feel like he'll get it. So I'll, I'll bypass him for now, even though I kind of had him on my short list. Um, I have Carmelo on my list, but I I feel like it's fundamentally different than the other guys we're talking about, where he's at a point in his career now where he's still playing, 
and he's still a rotational piece, so it's not like he's just there. But, you know, if he goes another year or two and continues to play and gets into a final that way, where you would imagine he's probably out of the rotation by that point, and maybe just kind of a locker room sage, like I think most people think he's a pretty good dude just to be around players, and he's there for advice and to help, and guys respect him, and guys grow up watching him. It would remind me a little more of like when T-Mac made the finals with the Spurs a few years ago, where it's great that he does it, and it's great to be able to say he's made a finals, but it wasn't like real, you know? No. Um, so I, I, I would be happy for him personally. Um, I know just dealing with him and having talked to him from when I was on the beat that, um, you know, he it, it, it kind of made me a little bit sad just as like someone that loves basketball and has watched these guys and know how hard they work, where... I remember at one point um, I asked him about playing in the Olympics and I'm trying to think what year this would have been and asked him, was he going to play again? Which I think was going to make his either his third or his fourth Olympic run. And I was like, are you trying to play again? Cause I think it was one of the years LeBron said he wasn't going to play. And he was like, yeah, like sign me up. And I was like, well, what's the significance to you of going? And I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something like, and I, I said, you know, Le- LeBron's not going, so like, I know he's one of your best friends in the world. If he's not going to play, why does it matter to you so much to play in a year where? And he was like, well, LeBron's situation is different. Like, he more or less said, like, he's accomplished so much that if he wants to rest, I get why he wants to, because like, he's going for championships. That's an every year thing for him. I don't really have that to point to. Like, so more or less, he was kind of saying, like, this is a huge part of my legacy to be able to say that I'm going to be the first guy or the only guy to play in four Olympics is a huge thing for me. And to potentially mm-hmm. win a third gold medal is a huge thing for him. So even if it's somewhere, if, if it's something like it's like that, where winning a gold medal, if you're a part of a gold medal winning team, it's great, but like it's kind of expected in America that you're going to win a gold medal. I kind of feel like making the finals if he makes it as like an end of the bench guy it would still hold value to him in a way that maybe people don't see it that way but i know for him it would so i you know from having talked to him so i i would be happy for him from that standpoint even though it wouldn't be as a frontline guy anymore yeah so it would be yeah i I think i i agree with what you're saying about Melo. it would be a little weird if he did and was just you know, getting it in garbage time and not really contributing to winning, which I think is the only possible role for him at this point in his career in in NBA Finals. I want to catch you on a quick technicality. I'm glad you brought up Harden. Um, Harden has played in the NBA Finals. Ah, (laughs) Oklahoma City does exist. I totally forgot. Damn. But no, it's... it's, I'm a casual, Michael. I'm a casual. No, no, no. Uh, Shout out to Christian Wood. No, I'm I, I, I'm glad you brought him up though because his his name was one of the first that popped into my head too. Damn. Um, and it's like as a star, which I think is like the greater significance right. of what we're saying here and right. what we're discussing. It's just a different different context entirely. So Harden, given how close he's come since he became kind of the lead guy, I think that. This year was not the year to feel good for, at least for me personally. This year was not the year to feel good for James Harden if he were to get to the NBA Finals and win a title yeah. for a variety of reasons. But you know, after he suffers the injury, I think I, for whatever reason, I think that it would be nice to see a humbled Brooklyn Nets team kind of reassemble, come back next year, and um, really fulfill whatever they're 
collective destiny is um, with all the talent that they have. So I thought it was really it's really it's worth bringing up Harden, even though technically he does not qualify for this totally fake and erroneous exercise. <laughs> um, so so can I give you my third name, which is like kind of weird, and I think a lot of people are just going to be like, "You're an idiot." I want to hear um, it because mine is like that too. Go ahead, my third okay, person. Okay, perfect. Uh, so mine is uh, mine is Rudy Gobert. Um, I don't exactly know why I picked Rudy. I think it might just be because I felt so bad for him in the second round of these playoffs. Like this was Utah's year, and to see the way that Utah lost, blowing that massive um, halftime lead, primarily because. It's like it's not 100% his fault. Like, their point of attack defense was atrocious, and he kept having to help out in the paint. But, like, the Clippers were just hitting threes because they can't switch because of Rudy Gobert. And so, you know, that's been kind of a microcosm of... or That game was a microcosm of all the criticism that he's received over the years. And this is truly, like, one of the greatest defensive players of our lifetime. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner. Um, The way he's improved since he entered the league is remarkable. He's really embraced his role offensively and doesn't really pout um, as much as he used to. So I don't know. I just, think, I just think it would be cool if kind of like an old school rim protector was still able to be the foundation of a team that was able to get to the finals. I think that would be really fun. And I thought that this could have been the year, but it, it wasn't to be. Sure. Uh, so my third pick is is not... <laughs> No, 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 you, you, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to segue off what you said. I'm not. I'm, that was not me okay, ignoring okay. what you said at all. Don't take it that way. Okay. Because um, I, I understand <laughs> that pick. He was one of the guys I looked at. Um, mm-hmm. And I also thought about Conley, and then I was like, in the historical thinking of it, I think that would just be more like Conley's waited a long time for any sort of recognition, really. Right. Um, and, you know, historically, he won't go down that way, especially now that I feel like he lost his claim to fame by making the All-Star team this year, too. So, like, he won't be remembered now the way that he was going to be remembered. And I think he has enough, I won't say enough recognition, but he's gotten paid. He's been on sure. winning teams his whole career. So I, I wouldn't put him on that list. Gobert makes a lot of sense for a lot of those reasons um, because he will be an all-time great defender. And, um, you know, can you build a team around that to where you can win a title or get to the finals? So the person I picked third, and I think is interesting and maybe weird in some of the same ways, as kind of will he ever break through, was Giannis, actually. Um, because he's not, he's been now really, I mean, he's a two-time MVP, which, I mean, if you're thinking about historically, people we would put on this list of guys that were the most accomplished to not have gotten to a finals. Nash, now that Chris Paul has made it, Nash is really at the top of that list. Um, right. winning the MVP twice. So now Giannis has won the MVP twice. Um, we've seen him get very close and falter. Um, now we're watching him get really close and maybe faltering for a reason that has nothing to do with him, you know, of a, a freak injury and ugly sort of injury. By the way, which it was wild that Clint Capella then got hurt right after that. Um, you know. And now he might miss tonight. Um, this playoffs has sucked from that standpoint of all these injuries, by the way. But um, yes. so, so Giannis, you know, and what we're talking about with the idea of Brooklyn and assuming that they're going to be back and who knows what Philly does with Simmons, um, who knows what else happens. Like, we don't know definitively that 
you know, the Bucks are just going to have like free reign of the East or that they're going to get back there. Um, you know, you would think that, you know, Giannis will have several years to do it, but we don't know what can change. And I, I think part of what, you know, we assume for so long with Chris Paul and everybody else really is that, well, they'll make it at some point. At some point they'll break through. But, you know, I don't know. Stuff has gotten weird. The three ball has changed a lot of stuff in t- as far as momentum. Um, we've watched a five seed and now we'll maybe watch another five seed make the NBA finals after a five seed made it last year. So you've got other teams that, you know, you swing a thing here, their dame goes to Miami or anywhere else. And all of a sudden, like the East looks different and Milwaukee doesn't look nearly as dominant as they did before. It, it, you know, at a certain point, like you just can't kind of assume that it'll happen. I think we do that a lot, but if, if it's not this year for Giannis, which this is a great opportunity having knocked out Brooklyn and Brooklyn having been shorthanded. Um, this is the opportunity. This is the uh, yeah. opportunity. I mean, yeah, and, and quite frankly, like you said, even if Trey, you know, they had an opportunity, even with Giannis getting hurt, Trey didn't play last game. They could have been up 3-2, and uh, I'm sorry, 3-1, and given themselves three more opportunities to win the series after that game. So th- the, even if Giannis is going to be out the rest of the time, they could have locked this series down pretty much and didn't do it. So huge missed opportunity if it doesn't happen. I really hope that it does for him. At some point, I don't care, you know, but I, I, like I said, there's something about his backstory and kind of his validation in the league that people are going to question because he has so many obvious shortcomings in his game between the shooting, the fact that he, even though he's a great defender, maybe the best help defender in the game, that he's not someone that just takes the one-on-one challenge of guarding Durant or Jimmy Butler or whoever else. So he's different. He's always going to get criticized for those things, the free throws, um, and that injury just makes me think about how we take a lot of things for granted. And I hope he breaks through at some point. He's also still young. Like a lot of these best players in the NBA don't win until they're 27 or 28 years old. Michael, LeBron, Shaq, um, you know, it, it happens. He's right at that age now. So it'll be interesting to see whether he can break through. And if he doesn't, when it happens, I really hope it happens for him at some point, if it's not this year. Yeah, Giannis is a great pick. Uh, he crossed my mind, too. I didn't put him on just because of age, like you said, and the assumption that, which I shouldn't be doing, that he'll get to the finals someday. Um, and it really has me thinking about, you know, how will we even view Giannis? Like, how will he be perceived in 20 years if he never makes it to the finals? It, it, it's just a fascinating question for all the reasons that you outlined and he's a two-time MVP, first ballot Hall of Famer, like if he retired tomorrow, one of the greatest stories in the history of professional sports, North American professional sports, what he came from to just like conquer the NBA. And yet, you know, in the bubble, sprains his ankle, they lose in the second round to Miami, suffers this knee injury now, they're up 2-0. I'm like, my brain is getting frazzled, but they're up 2-0 in the 2019 conference finals with a Chris Middleton three. Yeah, with a Chris Middleton three at the end of regulation that hits the back of the rim. If it goes in, they don't go to overtime. They win that game. They go up 3-0. I forgot about that and moment. Then, wow. And then what are you doing if you're like, then the Golden State Warriors crumble and they win the title probably? I don't know. Who Like, who knows? But so it's just, it, it's, it's these opportunities are always fleeting drew holiday is not young chris middleton is not young they have no young talent on the roster frankly and i don't know how they get significantly better given their draft pick situation to get drew holiday like they're all in right now 
So it's it's really interesting, man. And I don't I don't think they're going to get to the finals this season. Um, maybe next year, but you're right. The landscape is constantly shifting, and. Yeah, I don't know how we'll look at this dude if he never makes the finals, Man, which is can really, we, sh- it's real. Can shame. we talk about really quickly just to you know if the Bucks don't get Giannis back, this will probably break their hearts a little bit to mention it this way. But the irony of Chris Paul making the finals when I think it's probably safe to say that Milwaukee at least had conversations about Chris Paul and trying right. to bring him in, in you know, in small market, huge contract. Is it worth it? Is it worth it long term? Is this hurting us? Is Chris Paul going to be healthy enough to make it worthwhile for him to make the finals? And on top of that, for the guy that they targeted as a restricted free agent in Bogdanovich to be on the other side and probably even more of a key guy if Trey's not able to play. um, Just wow. You know, it's just a stuff changes on a dime, man. you know, it's a, it's a crazy league. It's been a crazy year in a way that I do think, I, you know, for how great the playoffs have been, this many injuries take some of the fun out of it. You know, if, if you were to have, you know, a conference finals that is determined and it's just the Hawks without Trey Young and the Bucks without Giannis, like that's not, nobody wants that. You know, I'll watch it because I have to and because, you know, I'm a basketball fan, but it sucks. Like I, I think we can say it's been entertaining while also acknowledging it sucks. There is a world now where Lou Williams is the Finals MVP. I just want to I want to leave you with that. I want to leave our listeners with that. It's 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 out there. It's possible. This Redemption not, like, from the bubble when he was out getting wings at the strip club. Exactly, redemption. Exactly, full exactly, redemption ex- full circle. Ex- exactly. In the city so that, that he even went to to get the wings in the first place when he left the bubble. It's too much. It's too much fate. Uh, serendipity. <laughs> this is this is powerful forces at hand right now. Um, well, Chris, that's going to do it for our show today. Uh, I, I want to thank our listeners again for all the wonderful emails, um, particularly Thaddeus, who is just going to be writing dissertations for for Chris in the future. Apparently, please, um, please uh, keep them coming. Openfloormail at gmail dot com. That's openfloormail at gmail dot com. Uh, Chris, you and I will be back next week. Uh, Rohan and I will be back uh, on Monday, I believe, even though um, uh, that is observed Independence Day. We'll still be popping out uh, an episode for you guys on Monday. So look forward to that. Um, Until then, everyone stay safe. Everyone, please continue to enjoy these wonderful NBA playoffs. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. 
I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until four, so... Because the American Express Platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.